Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, and today with me, I have my co-host from straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi, retired detective from Intel Division and from the 6-0 Squad. How's everything going today, Phil? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, really anxious to get into this case again with the uh, latest developments. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give a, a full briefing of this. But first, I just want to comment on this past week. We had some crazy week. Uh, the show was unbelievable. I mean, we uh, we did about nine shows this week between myself and uh, Mark DeMeo doing uh, Police Off the Cuff and Real Crime Stories, we which is a separate show. One of the highlights was on Wednesday when we had uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano on a different type of show. Uh, Sammy has his own podcast, which is it's just going off the charts. It's so popular. But, you know, we took some criticism for us as police interviewing someone who was considered in the outside world, of course, an organized crime figure and a killer. But we tried to give him uh, the, res- the respect of a human being, basically, and let him tell his story and not have us basically moralize about it. And I think uh, we did a good job at that. Phil, you did a good job at that. Tommy Dades did a great job at it. And I think the folks appreciated the show because right now it's it's also extremely popular. You know, it's very popular, uh, his podcast, organized crime in general, anything organized crime related. You go, go back to the 70s with the movie The Godfather, Godfather 2, two epic movies. There's a lot of uh, interest in that type of stuff. And I think, like you said, we gave him the respect as a human being. And I think we found out things from that podcast on Wednesday that had never really been looked into with all the podcasts and interviews that he had did. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot of them, but he did do a couple. And uh, there was really a good perspective from his point of view. And, you know, we, we added our uh, two cents in there too. And, and I think that um, it was definitely worthwhile doing. And uh, anybody that criticized this, they did it without merit. Uh, we're not condoning criminal behavior. Obviously, we're both uh, retired law enforcement officers as well as Tommy, first grade detective. Uh, we all had our careers. We all uh, went through our careers without any bumps in the road, so to speak. And we had, uh, you know, integrity throughout our whole career. So it was a, an opportunity that arose. And uh, anybody in the journalistic world, the uh, YouTube world, the podcast world would never turn down a chance for an interview like that. And, uh, you know, I think it was done professionally. And again, like I said, a lot of good information uh, perspective that you didn't get in any of the other uh, broadcasts that were done in you know, interviews. Uh, we really did good, I think, on that. Now, that was uh, most of the, I would say 99% of the uh, feedback I got was all positive. So great show. You know, you know, Phil, one of the things that um, caught me a little bit was that he spoke about a couple of times where he himself got shot. And then he referred to that God looked out for him. And I found that to be a little strange, you know, like that, you know, he had killed people himself, but yet he felt that it wasn't his time to die. And, and God and God looked out for him in regards to him not him not getting killed, you know, and that was sort of uh, amazing to me to hear that. Well, when you think about it, I mean, Son of Sam is uh, responsible for a lot of killings, is uh, very religious now, and uh, him believing in God. And he said he said something that I think me and you were a little taken back by it when he said, you know, I, I've looked up to God and said, God, you know, why am I still here? Or, you know, he said there were so many times that he could have been killed. He almost was killed. And, uh, 
you know, he, he's not, he's doing this now. And that's why at the end, I kind of look for something positive out of him. And I, I mentioned, you know, you have a positive message for any of the, uh, any of the guys that are, uh, you know, enamored by the organized crime lifestyle and may think and be thinking about taking their life in that direction. And, and his response was go F yourself. So he basically, uh, you know, I thought that was a good positive message. And he, he laid out a couple of things, you know, if you want to go do this and you want to go do that all negative, God bless you. Go do it. You know, go, go ruin your life. Basically what is, what he's, what was what he was saying, you know, I think in, in essence. So uh, no, for sure. He, he gave a positive message at the end of the show. And I thought yeah, it was, for sure. it was, it was, it was well said anyway, folks, uh, if you're not a member of Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. We also have a Patreon because this show does cost money to produce and we appreciate if you want to become a member. And we just recently added YouTube memberships and all the people in the chat that are in that green green font, they're our YouTube family. 999 Jerome, a new member. Great to see you there. Uh, we have actually four levels of memberships on our YouTube for the bucket costs $2.99 a month. Polish my rack is $9.99 a month. Uh dipped in butter is $24.99 a month. And we have one person at this level, heated dipped in butter. I'd like to meet that person. And uh, that's uh $49.99. So thank you, the heated dipped in dipped in butter um member on on our YouTube family. And yeah, folks, I'd just like to say one thing about sure. that. But listen, anybody that wants to subscribe to us, we're a show that's going to have integrity throughout. We're giving professional opinions about almost 50 years in law enforcement, both of us uh, many years in the Detective Bureau of the NYPD. And again, we, uh, we're we going to be eclectic, like Bill said in the past about our shows. Uh, we, we touched on organized crime recently. This week we did, uh, I, I think, five or six shows that I was involved in. There was a couple of others that Bill did on his own and then uh, Mark did a couple. And uh, we really honed in on the latest current events on two major breaking stories, which was the Murdoch case and now the um, the uh, case with uh, uh, Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry. So, uh, yeah, if, if you can and you like us, give us the thumbs up, hit that subscribe button, and uh, you'll be plugged in with us uh, from here on in. Okay, folks, let's get right to it. Um, the Gabby Petito case. Um, some new developments. As of Tuesday, uh, Brian Laundry has been quotations missing. He's not missing. He's not really a missing person. He's uh, choosing not to be found. Uh, in essence, he took off. In the, in the NYPD procedures for a missing person, it, it specifically says a missing person cannot be someone who is wanted for a crime. Well, obviously, he doesn't specifically fit that definition because he's not wanted for a crime, but he's sort of wanted by law enforcement, or else you wouldn't see hundreds of law enforcement inside this park looking for him. Uh, they want to know, you know, they want to talk to him, but yet he's protected by counsel, so they're not allowed to speak with him. I'm going to just show a, a, a short video on all the people that are searching for him at this point and, you know, if they weren't looking, one of the things I think they're very much concerned with also is the potential that he could commit suicide. And no one wants to see that. One of the reasons, of course, is because um, we want to find Gabby, you know, and he is one of the main ways that we can we can find Gabby. And without him, the, the chances, just the scope of looking for her is just so large and just 
it's just huge. I want to play this video here. Saying they had not had any contact with him since Tuesday when he left with a backpack, telling them he was coming here to the Myakkahatchee Creek Environmental Park in Sarasota County. Now, they did not give investigators any information on Gabby, only that they were concerned about Brian's whereabouts. So he, too, is now being listed as a missing person. Investigators were able to retrieve clothing from his home to help give canines a scent to go off of. And since yesterday afternoon, they have been searching the Carlton Reserve, utilizing multiple law enforcement agencies, drones, airboats, ATVs, and canines to search for any sign of Brian. But this is no easy task. This area is swampy and heavily wooded, with the Carlton Reserve presenting over 25,000 acres of area to search. I've been back there once or twice, and it is large. The first time I was in there, I actually got lost. Trying to see if he's if he's out there, um, if we can get a scent, and if we can uh, locate him anywhere. Now, as the search for laundry continues for the second day here in Northport area, the search for his 22-year-old fiance, Gabby Petito, continues in Wyoming at the Grand Teton National Park. The pair was traveling cross-country, documenting their travels on social media, but Gabby's family reported her missing on September 11th after not hearing from her for over a week. Her family released a statement this weekend in response to Brian's disappearance, saying that they believe he is not missing, but rather hiding. Now, Brian has not been named a suspect in this case, rather just a person of interest. However, authorities do believe he could have crucial information that could help them lead uh, them to where Gabby is now. But their main goal right now is locating both Gabby and Brian. Like I mentioned earlier, search efforts are already beginning to get underway out here. We saw crews pulling up about 30 minutes ago, ATVs heading in there just a few minutes ago as well. So things are definitely starting to pick up. The FBI says the public's help is crucial. Anything and everything, uh, small, the smallest tip could really help them break this case wide open. So if you have any information, you're asked to give them a call. Call 1-800-CALL-FBI. Of course, this case continues to develop, so we'll keep you updated here on Fox 13 News and on our website, fox13news.com. Sarani. All right, Liz, thank you. All right, we've seen this story captivate the country, especially people in the town of Northport, dozens of them gathering last night to show their support for Gabby's family. Two local moms organized this video. You know, just I, I just want to say, and, and I've uh, said this a few times, uh, law enforcement that person of interest, it's not a law enforcement term. It's a press term, all right? And they put that out there, yes, oh, he's a person of interest. He's a suspect. He's 100% a suspect, you know, but they they don't like to say that because then the media just doubles down and just invents more things that aren't true. So, but I'm going to tell you right now, he's a suspect. And um, the thing is, is that because they do not have probable cause to arrest him and because He's invoked counsel. What are they going to actually do when they find him? That should be one of the questions everyone's asking. They can't forcibly make, take him away from anywhere. He's not under arrest. He's free to go. What are, you, what are your thoughts about that, Phil? Well, listen, you hit something right on the head. Uh, when the media brings up this term, uh, person of interest, in a case like this, a missing person's case, now she's reported missing, her family reports are missing, and the first question they're going to ask, well, who was the last person? 
person to see it while she was with Brian Landry. So again, he becomes suspect number one that I would be talking to. Obviously, you'd be doing the same thing if you were on the case. So he's a suspect until he's not a suspect. What I mean by that is he's interviewed. He gets uh, gives an alibi. He says what, what information he has. And then when it's checked out and his alibi is clear and it's uh, substantially reasonable that he doesn't have any involvement in the missing person, then he's not a suspect. We move on to someone else. However, that didn't take place in this case. As we know, he did no cooperation, zero. Him, his family, no one in that clan has helped with one stitch of information that we know of to try and find Gabby. And, um, you know, with regard to, um, you know, his family, I think that uh, they were the ones that started this search. They brought the police in, said he's missing, and they waited four or five days, or I think it was four days, let's say three or four days, whatever it is. And they said that he's out in this uh, Carlton Reserve, which is 2,500. 25,000 acres, I guess, near their home in Northport. Now, do we know if it's true? I, I think that there's a, enough of a full court press uh, with this search that's taking place that the police do believe that he might be in that location. However, we only have the information of his family. Now, did his family take the police and send them off in one direction while he went off in another direction? We don't know. I would think that probably they did check his cell phone, perhaps to see if it's in that location and whether or not it's on or if he took it with him. We don't really know. We don't have access to the case folder. But I would think that with the amount of search that's going on in that area, that uh, they probably do believe that he's in that area. I don't think they'd be conducting this massive search if they had just the uh, the say-so of the family. So I think it's a pretty good chance, but it was something that I questioned when I, uh, when I started to hear about this. And, uh, you know, I believe I saw a media report earlier today where the mother was, uh, the mother's name, uh, Brian Laundrie's mother's name is Roberta, and she was confronted by media and they threw questions at her like, why aren't you cooperating? Where's your son? Stuff like that. Why aren't you helping the police? And she just ran into the house. So I'm sure she's in a tight position. The family is being bombarded by media, by protests and stuff like that. I get it. But you know what? Just deserved. We need to find Gabby. They need to cooperate. And that's really what it comes down to. You know, uh, 100%. And I think that, you know, him taking off and them pretending that he's missing is just another smokescreen uh, to get in the way of, of law enforcement. But what law enforcement needs to go ahead and push ahead is they need evidence. Without evidence, they can't, uh, and without cause, they can't pull him in and arrest him, even though he is suspect numero uno, you know. But so when they say, oh, person of interest, all this stuff, you know, there's another thing. There was a, um, I believe it was on the 25th, um, there was a van spotted. And I'm going to, there's a little video of this also. That's actually the 27th, Bill. That's August the 27th, I believe, what you're talking about. You're referring to the van when it was spotted by another camper? Yes, I'm, I'm yeah, referring August to that. August 27th, yes. I'm going to put that up on the screen. And uh, this is this is potentially um, new news also. that Because uh, this can, sp can give them... Um, an area uh, uh, where they can absolutely search. Uh, so let me let me just get this on the screen, and um, okay. You know what, Bill? Before you go into the video, I just want to say one last thing. I wanted to stay on the first part of the story that we were covering today with regard to the search for Brian. You know, this officer, Josh Taylor, he's from the Northport Police. 
Uh, he's the public information officer. He's been under some scrutiny lately. And I know some of it is probably just deserved that they didn't have eyes on uh, Brian. There should have been some type of surveillance on him before he went on to this journey that he's allegedly in this uh, Carlton Reserve area. But I feel for uh, Josh, he looked like he was out in front of it in the beginning. He was making uh, statements to the media and stuff like that. And uh, uh, he became uh, a little frazzled on one of the interviews. And I know that uh, Duty Ron had it, uh, played that uh, Duty Ron, our good friend that uh, has also got a podcast. Uh, he played, uh, um, I guess it was a phone call from him calling into a media outlet. And, you know, he was a little frazzled and stuff. But I know that they're taking some scrutiny right now and taking some heat for not having eyes on him. I get it. But I think that they're kind of overwhelmed with this. They probably are a small police department and they're, you know, they're doing the best they can. One other thing, a point I wanted to make, the search right now that's going on in the Carlton Reserve has got, they're saying 50 police officers is probably more, six agencies, uh, FBI, uh, several other agencies, the local police, they're using drone search dogs. Uh, and they have, uh, I, I believe they have the park police in that area. So th there's a, a, a large presence, a large contingent of law enforcement conducting that search. And I just wanted to get that out there. Okay. I'm going to put this, uh, I'm going to play this on the screen. Her daughter. I feel so bad for this family. When Shannon Baker from Spring Hill learned about the search for Gabby Petito, right away she says she recognized the white Ford van. She posted a comment on a Yellowstone Facebook page she follows. The very next day, an investigator friend, retired police officer of the father, uh, sent me a messenger message. So I called him back. Baker says she let him know she and her husband spotted the van around 5 p.m. on August 25th at the Jenny Lake parking area in Grand Teton National Park. They added the roof rack and that, you know, the ladder on the back. And then we saw the Florida tag. And it was funny because you didn't see a lot of Florida tags out there. The family investigator told her. Another park goer believes he may have seen her. Tonight, the FBI shared a new missing person poster, and pictures of Petito and the van are now posted throughout the popular Wyoming park. The sheriff's office there and the National Park Service are conducting a physical search for any sign of Gabby. Petito's stepfather, Jim Schmidt, is also in Wyoming. We've just been out here basically uh, handing out some flyers for the most part. Schmidt calls it unfathomable that Brian Laundrie, Gabby's fiance and the only police person of interest, has not cooperated with this investigation. You refer to her as the love of your life. Everything seemed to be happy. You were on a cross-country trip with her, and suddenly you're silent. Why? Why are you silent? Whatever may or may not have happened, you need to speak up. Baker tells it on your side. She hopes other park visitors come forward with tips that can help solve this mystery that's captivating the country. Somebody out there probably has something on their phone or their camera. They have to. There were so many people there. And while there was a lot of activity going on over at the laundry home, it has been quiet tonight here at the Northport Police Department. A baker told me she searched through her phone but didn't find any photos of Gabby or the van. We've also learned the FBI has set up a dedicated webpage where people can submit digital media to help with this investigation. That website is on your screen. It is FBI.gov slash Petito. We are live tonight in Northport. I'm Justin Shecker, 8 on your side. So, Phil, what do you think of that? That gives it two days later than the last time. 
that Gabby Petito's mother heard from her on the phone was on the 25th. So this is obviously the 27th. So there's two more days that uh, that weren't accounted for that the van was seen. Okay, I think this is probably one of the most solid leads to date. Now, in that clip, I saw a different clip. I don't know if you saw the one. I think I may have sent it to you, but there was something telling the woman that you just heard, given that information, was driving down an area where people do uh, an overnight camp. Uh, you know, they, they park overnight for, uh, you know, they, they, they're camping. So th she was videotaping down the road and she spotted the white van with the Florida plates. She's also from Florida. They were going to talk to and say hello to uh, the people in the white van since they felt they were from the same area. But when they pulled up to the van, they said that it was dark. It didn't look like anybody was in it. They may have been in the back. They didn't want to disturb them and they pulled off. But there was something very telling in that video that she showed. There was a hat during the car stop on August the 12th when they had this dispute and the police body camera showed a hat that Gab, I, th I believe it was Gabby's hat, was on the dashboard. That same hat was in the dashboard of the white van that they videotaped on the 27th. So now the window is closing a little bit because we know he was back in Florida on the 1st. We know that her mom spoke with her on the 25th, and now the van is spotted in that area of that park. I believe it's called the uh, Teton National Park in, in Wyoming. Now, so now it's a pretty good idea to start searching in that area. And a huge search has been, been uh, taken under by law enforcement in that area, including the FBI, the National Park Service, the local police, and uh, some other agencies, uh, the U.S. Forest Service, uh, Teton County Sheriff's Office, and the Jackson PD. So you got a large contingency of searches in that area because of this latest clue. This was very, very uh, important with regards to the investigation. And I think now the window has closed a little bit. He's back in Florida by September 1st. That vehicle is in Wyoming on the 27th. You're talking about three or four days now that maybe something nefarious could have happened. However, on the 30th, there's a text message from her phone that says that they were in California or at some other park. Uh, I believe it was Yellowstone and that there was no cell service. Uh, I'm not sure about the exact location, but I know it was in California. And the family believes that that text message did not come from Gabby. They believe it was from her phone with probably him sending the text message. That's an assumption. You know, someone in the chat asked, uh, where is the van? The, the van has been invoiced by the FBI. And the FBI is going through it, doing crime scene forensic search of the van. And that's all we know uh, about the van from this point. Uh, Brian drove the van back by himself from uh, Wyoming. And that's approximately a 40-hour trip. So just think uh, how many, you know, if you drove four or five days straight, that's probably about how long that would take. So the van is back in Florida, and it was seized by the FBI for forensic evidence. I just want to also show a uh, a little video of the area that they're searching for Brian, this park area that is is sort of an immense an immense location. Let me give you a look at it here. Um, um, I, I can see it here on my screen. Other internet providers not flexible enough? Well, oh, we got a commercial. Yeah, I got a little commercial. I'll have to let that play through. Oops. 
You know, Bill, I noticed in the uh, in the chat that someone said they played it back and it was the 25th being reported. The report I heard was the 27th. I heard that earlier today. So I'm not okay, sure Phil, 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 it's ready to go. Go. Joining us now is Gabby Petito's stepfather, Jim Schmidt. He traveled from Long Island out to Wyoming to help search uh, for Gabby. Jim, thank you so much for being okay. with us. First of all, your thoughts after seeing that body cam footage, it, has it given you any insight as to the direction that that trip was taking that might have led to her disappearance? We, we had a chance to review it. Um, it was obviously very upsetting to us to see, to see her that emotional, uh, but we had no indication that other than, you know, just by watching it that, you know, they're, they're in tight quarters, you know, for a long period of time that maybe they were just getting a little frustrated, whatever it might be. Uh, but we didn't have any indication at all that it seemed to be any problems along the way. Jim, have you ever had any concern before about her boyfriend or now fiance? We're learning he, they did clarify in this hour long video that they were engaged to be married. Have you ever seen anything happen between this couple that would indicate to you that he would potentially harm your stepdaughter? No, he's always been uh, respectful with us, uh, polite. They've always been happy. What you pretty much see in the pictures is what, what we saw. So there, there was never an indication. So you've been there in Wyoming for a couple of days now, Jim. Give us the, the situation on the ground there. Uh, we have heard that there are reports that the couple was last seen at Grand Teton National Park. How, how certain are you that that may be the last time that they were seen? And is there actually an organized search going underway now? We are pretty certain that this is where her last location was. Uh, she texted her mom, said we're up in Grand Teton area. They were heading through here on their way to Yellowstone. You know, they had some stuff planned for this area. And we just have a feeling that uh, this, this is where they were going to be. And this is the, the place that we felt that we needed to be once, once we realized that that was one of the last couple of text messages my wife received. Uh, the police, law enforcement agencies, they're all working together out here. They're all actively investigating any lead that they have. Right now, we're just here to support them and help them with anything they may need. We, we have family and friends in New York and Florida, but we didn't have anybody out here. We felt the need to, to be out here and be present, put faces with, with uh, the family and get out here and just, just be present. Jim, uh, our hearts are with you. We can see how difficult this is for you to talk about this at this moment when all your goal is to get her picture out there, have people see her face so that they can call that tip line if they have any indication she walks by them uh, or they see her in public. Um, so our hearts are with you and your family. Is, is there, can you fathom why her fiance would not cooperate with law enforcement to help find her? Can you do you have any idea in your in your mind why he would not be um, answering questions or helping find her? It's absolutely mind-boggling to our entire family and friends that you are on this cross-country road trip. You've been together for so long. Every picture, every video we see seems to be that you're enjoying yourselves. You you say she's the love of your life. She's missing. You were on a trip with her, but you have no comment. You have nothing to say, and you're hiding behind an attorney. I understand the constitutional rights that people have, but you have pieces to this puzzle that we need to find Gabby, and you're withholding them from us. 
And whatever the reason may be, you, you need to come clean and come forward, whatever it is, whether something happened or it didn't happen, I don't, I don't know. But you have to start talking, you have to tell us. Every day that goes by, it's, it's another piece of us that is just falling apart because we don't know where she is or what's going on, if she's safe. It's it's just it's unspeakable. It's mm. terrible. So, Jim, just in terms of the area uh, where she may have been before uh, the couple obviously split up and James Laundrie headed back to Florida, you're there in Wyoming, where you say you got a text yes. message from. It's my understanding that the last confirmed sighting was in Salt Lake City. There was also a text message that was apparently sent to her mother. Uh, Nicole, for, where that said, no service in Yosemite. Do you believe that yeah. she actually made it to Yosemite, or could that have been something else? As far as we knew, there was never a plan to go to Yosemite. The plan was to come up through this region, come through the Grand Tetons, and travel up through Yellowstone. You know, there was talks of, uh, you know, they were going to uh, finish up in Portland, Oregon area to visit a family friend. So to receive a text message saying Yosemite, uh, you know, it's like 800 miles the opposite direction. So we're looking at the timeline now from when now we know that Van and Brian were back in Florida on September 1st, mm -hmm. and those text messages received on August 27th and August 30th. It's a good 36, 37 hour drive if you drive straight through from this area to get back to Florida. You know, that time frame, it just doesn't doesn't line up. It's really calling into question mm. it, who sent them. Was it her? We're really questioning it now. Uh, final question um, to you, sir, ab about your stepdaughter. And she seemed to be very open and um, wanted the police to know in that moment that she suffers from mental health issues. She was very specific. She said she suffers from uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. She said, I've, I've got a, a severe or extreme, I can't remember the word she used, OCD. Um, is there something you want people to know about her mental health as she is still um, missing, um, as that would pertain to the search or how she might behave or where she might have gone or how she might act when approached? No, I mean, as, I'm not going to speak too much on her medical conditions or that she may sure. or may not have. But as far as her being OCD, she's just somebody that is very organized. She's always been very organized and she was working very hard on her social media, her YouTube channel, uh, getting her website going and knowing Gabby, she's creative and she's an artist and she's always very organized with everything. And, and she, she likes to keep things that way. Mm. So that, that's how, that's how I, I read that. But right. Well, Jim, we wish you a lot of luck in your search efforts there to try to get some semblance of where Gabby might be. So there you have it. I mean, uh, they're, they're searching for them all over the place. There's no real specific, specific area where they can tune in, although the Grand Tetons, obviously, from what we've heard, uh, can, be, can narrow it down a little bit. I just wanted to say to some of the people in the chat that think that his behavior is normal. You know, when you're a suspect, uh, you can use the TV term person of interest. And the fact that you just disappear on a hike, that's not normal behavior, all right? That's like, it's it's sort of a joke. He's not missing. He's 
He's hiding, as they said. He absolutely 100% is hiding. He's trying to take the heat off his family's home, which, of course, there's tons of newspaper reporters and people protesting outside the home because people want to know where Gabby is. And he, her fiance, supposedly the love of her life, is not helping. And that is not normal behavior. Yeah, 100%, Bill. You know, one of the people in the chat, Audrey Stack, said, as former officers of the law, what's your views on Gabby having little or no social media activity since 813, despite being regularly posting? Now, if that is in fact the case, I mean, the incident you just saw uh, in the videotape that you just played, Bill, uh, from August the 12th, when they had the dispute and the police interacted with them, uh, that would be telling. I mean, things could have really unraveled from that point and, and she didn't post much, which could have led up to something which apparently was after the 25th. I believe the mother spoke with her on August the 25th. And then someone else uh, put in the comments that it may have been the 25th that the woman who videotaped the van parked on the side of the gravel road. Uh, the, the media report that I saw did say 27th. Um, it could be the 25th. Either way, uh, that search is now being conducted that area because they have her in Wyoming around the last time that she was spoken to. So that would be the most uh, positive place to search and uh, look for her. I mean, you know, there, there's so many twists and turns with this case, but I really do believe what you were just talking about, Bill, that, you know, he's not acting like somebody that... Uh, is innocent in this thing. He's obviously acting like he's got something to hide. Uh, you know, he hid behind an attorney right from the jump. And now, like you said, with all the encouragement for him and his family to cooperate, that was done by local people. Uh, you know, the media, media is doing a great job on this. I mean, it's been wall to wall coverage every day since she's been uh, reported missing, so to speak. And I mean, it just got uh, more and more, uh, gained more and more steam on the, uh, on the whole media coverage part of it. So now he, uh, I mean, we don't even know it's true. He could be hiding in his bedroom under the bed right now. The family took law enforcement out there. I mean, I, I do think it's probably a good probability that he is out in that area because they seem to have, uh, you know, a, a little bit more uh, knowledge, obviously, than we do on the case. And they're out there conducting that big search. But listen, he's not acting, uh, uh, you know, normal. It's not normal behavior. He's not a uh, classic of someone that their fiance has disappeared. He'd be, he would be frantic on the news pleading for her safe return if uh, he was acting in a normal fashion. So I think that that comment is way off base, way off base. You know, I just wanted to make a comment and Phil, both you and I are parents. I know you have three girls. I have two sons. And I want to just question all the parents out there. How far would you go to cover up something that your son or your daughter did if it was criminal in nature? Would you cover it up or would you encourage them to tell the truth? Something as egregious as this that could potentially be could potentially be a murder and or the, un, undoubtedly is a missing person who was this. How far as a parent would you go or would you encourage? Just think of that. I know everyone in the chat is just, you know, 100% one way or the other, but think of it of your own child and how far would you go to assist them or to encourage them to tell the truth? That's an you know, open uh, question to everyone in the chat. Bill, in, in this situation, I think that is a great, a great question to post to people as parents. Now, the way I was brought up, 
my mother and father would protect me at any length from harm. However, in this situation, I mean, a beautiful young girl is missing. Uh, if it were my son, I would do everything in his legal, uh, you know, the realm of, of legal, re the legal world to try and help him as far as getting him an attorney and stuff like that. But when you see these people pleading for the return of their daughter, I would encourage my son to cooperate. You know, sometimes you have to, you know, you, you sleep in your bed and sometimes you have to lay in it. And that's what I'd be telling my son at this point. Whatever happened, happened. But now we have to try and help the family to find this young lady. I mean, they, they supposedly had a great relationship with her. She was living in their home and they had a great relationship with the family. Everything was, you know, if they, they, they didn't see each other on a regular basis, but they did have a relationship with them where they could reach out and talk to them and call them. And that was how they reported her missing when they found out that uh, there was no contact with him or her anymore. And then they started to reach out to the family in Florida in Northport and there was no response. That's when they said, Hey, we got to, we got to report this girl missing. I think they may have known that the van was by the house. That may also be something that I, I know they have a relative in Florida may have driven by or something to that effect. But there was there was a, a, a report that they knew that the, she's missing. That nobody's answering any calls, but yet the the white van is by the home in North Part. So. Uh, listen, it's a tough call. When you have children, you want to protect them. Uh, you'll do anything in your power to help them and protect them. But in this situation, if you have a kid that did something wrong, they just might have to own it. They just might have to own it. I'm sorry. That's just the way I feel about well, it. Well, you know, a hundred percent. In fact, if, you know, they obviously had a relationship with Gabby, she was living in their home and wouldn't the first thing you would ask your son when he came home was where's Gabby. And I would think that he probably opened up to his parents and then so they probably know Gabby's whereabouts or what had occurred too. Are they going to hide, hide this from the authorities? Uh, that's what I'm asking everyone in the chat and put it, put it to you. If this was your child, uh, we, it's, obvious, Bill, it's obvious that they knew something because they didn't respond to Gabby's parents' phone calls. So they knew something happened. I mean, if he came home and said, where, where's Gabby? Oh, we broke up, this and that, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to take the phone calls from the family. And, you know, there was probably numerous calls, text messages. Sooner or later, you have to say, all right, I don't want to get in the middle of it, but, you know, my son's here. I don't know where your daughter is, something to that effect. But they shut down completely. So they obviously know something. They're, they're hiding behind something and... Yeah, let's put that in the chat and see what people feel about oh, that. Oh, you know something? Someone in the chat also said that the Northport police are to blame because they let uh, Brian get away. You know, in reality, they should have been surveilling him 100%. I agree with you. But he's allowed to go where he wants to go. He's free right now. There is no probable cause to arrest him or to restrict his movements. So he is free to go wherever he wants to. So even I said, if they find him in the woods, he could just say, I'm not going back with you. I'm staying here. They they have no authority to remove him if he's going about his life lawfully. So, you know, my question would also be to the Northport, Florida police. I know they're saying this is a missing person, but I don't believe for one second that he's missing. I'd like to put it to them. When you find him, what are you going to do? You can't question him. You can't force him to go home. What are you going to do? Maybe well, they the, just have no, the no, only no, thing. But Phil, maybe they just have egg on their face because he got away and they don't know where he is. L listen, there definitely should have been somebody keeping an eye on his whereabouts. I agree with that 100%. Um, I don't know that uh, 
even if they did have eyes on him and they followed him into Yosemite or, or into this uh, this nature preserve, this uh, Carlton Reserve, uh, could they have done anything? They just would have known where he is. I don't know if any more information would have been garnered from him. It does look bad, like you said, egg on the face. But again, unless the family told the police he said he was going to commit suicide, he's going to hurt himself, then there would be a possibility that they can take him into custody for a, a, a mental health evaluation. That's the only way that they could really legally take him into custody. But if they just said, we don't know where he is, we haven't had contact with him, he's missing for four days, the last place he was is in his reserve, the cops go out there and they find him around a campfire, you know, smoking a joint, and it's legal there, they can't even do anything. They can only say, you're okay, yeah, I'm okay, I don't want to go with you. They really have no no legal recourse to take him into custody. I mean, I don't know if the family said, you know, I'm sure they would ask him, are you suicidal? You know, what, what are your thoughts? They're going to not just say, hey, you're okay and walk away. No, I'm sure they're going to, you know, they're going to have a conversation with him and they're gonna try and get some answers. And listen, if he spontaneously utters something relative to the investigation, that would be quite okay. But if they question him about her whereabouts after he's already invoked counsel, that information, I mean, it might help us to find him, but it couldn't be used against them as, as uh, we both know. No, we're going to go to a quick uh, commercial and we'll be back in about two minutes. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. That's jmurray dashlaw.com and his telephone number is 646-838-1702, 646-838-1702. Or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com, joe at jmurray-law.com. Folks, Police Coffee is a officer-owned business dedicated to crafting the finest coffees and blends. It'll provide you with the freshest coffee available. Each batch is roasted fresh by people who know what it means to stay vigilant. And our specialty coffees do not waste one drop when flavor is concerned. Our coffee is some of the best you'll find, but it also helps serve an important cause, giving back to our community. 50% of our profits go towards helping family members of police officers who fell in the line of duty. To order coffee and related products from policecoffee.com, go to the website. There are over seven types of coffee to choose from, and 50% of the profits go to officers' families in need. For a 10% discount, use code OTC10, that's off the cuff 10. And the website, of course, is policecoffee.com. Folks, if you're not a subscriber to Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and ring that bell. Uh, I see folks in the chat from all over the world. Uh, we're one of the finest law enforcement. If you want real crime stories from a law enforcement perspective, I'm a 27-year retired veteran of the NYPD. Detective Sergeant from Manhattan North Homicide Squad. Phil was a 21-year veteran from the Intelligence Division and the 6-0 Squad. And we both have a great deal of experience in what we're talking about. Phil, let's get back to the case. Absolutely. Now, the, the, the things that um, we've been talking about, um, some of the, the things that we're hoping for as far as investigative things are the cell phone data. That of course, the text messages, the calls, the subscriber information, but mostly the cell site information. And I see a lot of people in the chat always say, oh, who has the cell phones? 
the police don't have to physically have the cell phones to do the search warrants on the cell phones. They just need the number and who the carrier is. And then they're able to get that information. And mostly important, of course, is the cell tower information where the phones pinged off on specific dates. Yeah, Bill, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, having the physical cell phone is always better to go on her information from the cell phone, like specific videos that she may have taken. If she didn't transmit that video anywhere, very difficult for a cell carrier to give that information. Uh, if you don't have the cell phone, usually they can tell you calls that are made, uh, what numbers they called, uh, calls coming in, locations from the cell towers, as Bill just said. But having the actual cell phone is always better. There's a lot more information inside that cell phone. For instance, if you take a picture with your cell phone, you don't have to transmit it anywhere. If you don't have the actual cell phone, that picture gives a date stamp, a time stamp, and a location stamp. All smartphones have that. So let's say she took a picture of uh, some beautiful waterfall or something to that effect. It would show where she, if there's cell service in the area, it'd show where she was. It would show the time that it was, the date that it was. So all of those things are obviously very, very important. I'm sure that law enforcement, along with the FBI, is uh, digging into all of these things. They're doing a deep dive into her social media, his social media. I'm sure that they're looking into their cell phones, their cell phone records. And I'm sure that they may be even looking into Brian's home computer. I don't know if they've gotten that far yet. Maybe the family is willing to give it up. I mean, that may help too. Um, you know, so there's a lot of stuff being done, a lot of investigation that's being conducted behind the scenes that we're just assuming it's happening because of our experience with law enforcement and, and uh, homicide investigation, missing person investigation, any investigation, etc. So these are the things I'm sure are being done. And, uh, you know, the, the uh, again, like Bill said in the early part of the show. He's a suspect till he's not a suspect. If he's cooperating and we can physically say and, and confidently say that he's not involved in it, that she was here or there or anywhere, then he's not a suspect anymore. But at this time, this person of interest, it's a media uh, you know, term, and uh, he's a suspect. In my mind, I'm sure you agree, Bill. Absolutely. You know, I just want to give a quick show to the um – the, the body camps from the Moab police, because this this tells a lot of the story, and I think it, it's, it's sort of heartbreaking to watch, but I just want to play a few minutes of this. Okay, right there. Could you stop it there, Bill, real quick? I just want to point something out. All right. The orange thing, that little barrier is in the way, but on the dashboard is a hat. Well, if you could advance it or, or take it back a little bit, you'll see that hat. That hat, okay, yeah, it, it, that's really not a great picture of it. Maybe play it a little more. You might get a clearer picture of it if the deputy gets closer. Oh, man. Uh, another course. All right. I, I'll make the point about a hat while that plays through. That hat that's on the dashboard, take note of that because that's very, very crucial in the information that we received in the last day or two from that other camper that videotaped the van as they were driving past it on either the 27th or the 25th, whatever the date was. But that hat is how they know 100% that there it is right there. I was distracting him from driving. I'm sorry. Can I get you to step out of the vehicle for me, ma'am? Yeah. Just hang tight right there. Um, do you mind if I take your keys and just put them on your hood? All right, there's a good shot of that hat. That hat is very crucial. And I'll explain it when the video finishes. I'm going to go ahead and close your door. Okay. 
SO229, I had the female that was on the passenger mm-hmm. seat separated from the male. Keys are on the hood. You want to tell me what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. It's just some days I have really bad OCD. And okay. I just, I was just cleaning and straightening up back of the before, and I was apologizing to him and saying, I'm sorry that I'm so mean because sometimes I have OCD and sometimes I can get really frustrated. Not like mean towards him. I just like, I guess my vibe is like, I. I am like in a bad mood. And I was just saying, I'm sorry if I'm in a bad mood. I've just been really stressed. I had so much work I was doing on my computer this morning. What do you do for a living? Um, well, I, I hate for getting all organic juice bar, but I just hit my job. Okay. I was a nutritionist. That's oh, what, okay. That was my That's job. Cool. And I just um, hit my job to travel across the country. And I'm trying to start a blog. I okay. have a lot of stuff. So I've been building my website. So I've been really stressed. And, yeah, I didn't really believe that I could do any of it. Just kind of been like a, I don't know. He's like in, down there. I don't know. We've just been fighting all morning, and and he wouldn't let me in the car before. And then Why I, wouldn't he let you in the car? Because you told me your I need, Told me I needed to calm down. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm perfectly calm. I'm calm all the time, and he really stresses me out. And I just this is a rough morning. Well. Why don't we do this? Why don't I sit you down in the back seat of my car? You're not in any trouble, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to be putting handcuffs on you. You obviously don't have any weapons. I'm going to get you into the air conditioning, let you take a breath, relax a little bit, and then I'll come back and talk to you in a few minutes, okay? Okay. All right. Like I said, you're not in any trouble. So just go ahead and take a seat. What's that? Yeah, I just spoke to her. So, you want to do me a favor? Let's go ahead and get you to step out of the vehicle. Alrighty. Not in any trouble right now. So, tell me what's going on. It, the shoes gets worked up sometimes, and I try and really distance myself from her. So, like, I, I lock the car and I walk away from her. What, what happened this morning is that she's trying to start up like her own little website blog and everything. So, I give her time. And I, we, we really had a nice morning, if anything, and if anything, but um, she just got you know, worked up because we were trying to get going and get our day going because we want to go. Um, like before this like okay. You, you want to tell me about those scratches on your face? She had a cell phone in her hand. That's why I was pushing her away. Because I, she, she wanted me, I locked the keys so I could walk away. I, I said, let's just take a breather and let's not, you know, go anywhere. Let's just calm down for a minute. She was going to work up. And then she had her phone and was trying to get the keys. So sort of that way. I was just trying to, I know I shouldn't push, but I was just trying to push her away to go, let's, let's just take a minute, step back and breathe. And we see if she got me with her phone. Can I see your hand? Oh, you got a mark right here. Oh, that's from a wire. That's from a wire? Yeah. You want to tell me about hitting that curb? Hitting the curb was her grabbing the wheel. She grabbed the wheel? Yeah. She said, I can't believe we're getting pulled over, and then she grabbed the wheel. What about the speed? Did she take over the, did no, take I over the pedal on you? I was going fast, I'm sorry. No, it's probably just the, the moment of, I'm still shaking now. The adrenaline's seen the lights flashing up, and then her grabbing the wheel. 
So if I sped up, I'm sorry about that. Or if I was speeding beforehand, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's just going to quite a bit to catch up to you. So, yeah. I'm sorry about that. We're just going to... Bill, there's breaking news. I don't know if you saw it, but I have Fox News up right now. Body found where Gabby Gabby Petito search is underway in Wyoming. Yeah, but no it's, Phil, it's, it's, it's saying it's saying it's a 41 year old man. Did, did you get that? All right, because it said something about the coroner arriving and uh, and uh, that the search seemed to have ended. But you're you're, oh, you're getting that it's a no, 41 year old. Well, I'm just getting that from our chat. Joshua is no. saying there's no there's no confirmation of identity. Okay, so, 23 uh, minutes ago, this was reported. The mobile command center leaves the Brian Laundry. Oh, that's the Florida search. Okay. Uh, Coroner arrives 20 minutes ago where authorities are searching for a body. Okay. Yeah. So it, it may or may not be her, but uh, a body was found in the search area where Gabby Petito, where that search is underway. You're saying that Josh is saying it's a 41 year old male? No, no. He's saying there's no confirmation on the identity yet, but some okay. folks in the chat said it was a, but I, I, you can't, it's not. We have oh, to confirm it, yeah. And it's not confirmed, exactly. It's not confirmable okay. information, but uh, I'm just going back. Go, going back to that hat that was in that video, that was very, very important because the video that the woman posted uh, from the 27th uh, in the area where they're doing the search now, um, she did videotape as she was driving past, and you could see the hat in the dashboard. I don't know if they actually got the plate number. They did say it was Florida plates. So I think it's confirmed that that's the Van that was Gabby and seen on that day because 100% because of that hat that was in the window. Yes, uh, Brennan, thank you for the 999 super chat. And you said, from a legal standpoint, uh, I just lost you. Uh, that it seems like basically what you were saying from a legal standpoint, it was the right thing for Brian to uh to uh, get counsel and to refuse to talk from a legal standpoint. But how long? Can he hide behind counsel? How long? Uh, you know, the police are investigating this as he hides behind counsel. And at some point, uh, if they get a, um, a grand jury together on this case, he's going to have to talk. Nicole Wilson, thank you for the 499 Super Chat. She says no gender yet on uh, on the body. That's you know, I want to make a comment on that last comment, not the, the young lady, no gender yet. The one before that about him invoking counsel in his comment, he said, if she was emotionally unstable and she could have hurt herself, uh, the right thing to do, of course, it could easily be blamed on him. I got to take exception with that. I mean, is it possible? Yes, but he needs to come forward and explain. Uh, she, If she hurt herself, then she hurt herself. Why run and hide and, and not help any? I mean, listen. If, if the cat's out of the bag that she's missing, you have to cooperate. Come on now. You know, I mean, I get it. Maybe there's some way that he could have been blamed for her uh, bringing harm to herself. But come on, that's nonsense. You don't leave a body out in the woods someplace. And uh, nah, nah, I'm sorry. I, I got to take exception to that. As a parent, uh, you know, I want to protect my children. I said that before. But we're talking about a, a horrible situation that this other family is going through. And, and everybody's everybody's heart is breaking about this young lady. So I have to take exception to that comment, even you know, though Phil, yes, he does have the right to counsel. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that's our legal system. I'm okay with that, but uh, there's a moral obligation here. You know what I mean, Bill? I think the moral obligation supersedes everything else. I'm sorry. Well, I think you're right. So, and he's exhibiting the behavior of someone that committed a crime. That's trying to cover it up because sure, he's obviously sure. not talking. If we talk about the timeline in this case, July 2nd, the road trip began from Blue Point, Long Island. On August 12th, the Moab, Utah police 
that was what you just saw. That was the car stop with the body, uh, the body worn video. On 825, um, Gabby posted some stuff on Instagram, and she had the last conversation with her mom. On 9-1, Brian returns to Northport, Florida with the van, minus Gabby. On 9-11, uh, Gabby's family reports are missing. So you see how much time has transpired between um, Gabby last being heard from, I believe it was on the 25th. That's the last actual, um, well, not even a sighting, but communication that the mom spoke to her on the phone. And then the 27th, uh, as Phil reported, the van was seen, but Gabby wasn't seen in or near the van. So the last time she was physically, or we could put a timestamp on when she was heard from was on August 25th. And then of course, uh, 10 days go by between 9-1-21 when Brian returns to um, Florida and when Gabby's family reports her missing. That is usually problematic there. 10 days is a huge amount of time in regards to a missing person case. A hundred percent. And that not only uh, doesn't give a good look for Brian, obviously, but it also impedes the investigation. I mean, you know, on September 1st, when he got back to Florida, if he would have called the family and said, listen, I'm back. I don't know what happened to her. I mean, things might have uh, been able to uh, kick into gear a lot quicker. And you're, you're talking about a 10 day lag, which uh, I mean, listen, it's terrible. The whole thing is terrible. I'm just trying to find more information on the, uh, the latest breaking uh, developments. They're saying now Grim find uh, coroner confirms body where Gabby Petito search is underway in Wyoming. Still identity unknown. Doesn't say if it's male or female. So I'll, I'll try and uh, keep an eye on it as we're going through the uh, going through the uh, rest of the podcast. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping and praying that it's it's not her in a way because I would hope that she's found alive. I really mean that. But uh, you know, one one hundred percent. And and the the, the problem with uh, being live on the air when there's breaking news and it's not. Uh, it's not, you know, look, before they're going to report uh, who it is, uh, they would probably report the sex of the body if it's a male or female. So if it's a male, that totally excludes Gabby right away. Right. But to identify a body that's out in the uh, in nature, they would probably have to do it through DNA because I would imagine it would be badly decomposed and you wouldn't be able to make an identity on it. Well, well, that obviously uh, would be a telltale sign whether if it, whether or not it is or isn't her. I mean, if someone is found dead that died yesterday, obviously couldn't be her. She's been missing for a long time. I mean, if it was a female and, it, you know, she it fit the description of her clothing or, you know, her, her physical description and she was alive, that's quite possible if she was alive up until yesterday. But my point is if it's a decomposed body that's badly decomposed, then uh, it might fit into the time frame of the last uh, – 15 days or so, something to that effect or more. Actually, no, it's more like, more like uh, three weeks or so. But either way, uh, I would want to know right away, obviously, if it's male, female, and if it fits the category of uh, her physical description. I mean, even if they may not even be able to tell, I don't know what condition the body's in, but uh, and I'm seeing in the chat, uh, so far, no idea on body. Uh, you know, if, if, if let's say, assuming 
which I hate even to do, but uh, if this was her that was found, I think that would change the dynamic for Brian uh, considerably. I'm sure that uh, they would now get search warrants for his home and stuff like that. Uh, I think the uh, the investigation would accelerate greatly. But uh, again, I'm hoping and praying that it's not her. I would love for her to be found alive and safe. Uh, that possibility still remains. Let's just hope and pray that it's not her, but uh, we'll have to go with uh, whatever really uh, – transpires whatever occurs you know you know phil some of the legal issues that are coming up in the chat is that there people are asking could the police get a search warrant to search uh gabby's room that she shared um with brian to go through her clothing and the 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 answer is oh could they ask could they search without a warrant no they could not they would need a search warrant to search the house and right now i don't know if they have enough evidentiary to get probable cause to get a search warrant for the house. That's the level of suspicion necessary to obtain a search warrant. It's probable cause. If they had that, then they would almost be ready to make an arrest on Brian. And they're not, they're, they're naming him, you know, the, as the media says, a person of interest, but he's definitely a suspect. But so as far as searches, yes, they would need a search warrant unless the family gave consent. And I don't believe the family's going to give consent when they're lawyering up their own son. Uh, so, you, you know, Bill, I'd like to like expand on that a little bit. I wish we had Joe in the, in the, uh, on the podcast today because Joe Murray, the attorney, by the way, um, who's actually doing better. Uh, he's out and about, he seems to have gotten in front of the COVID issue, but, uh, which we're all very happy about, but you know, you make a good point. Uh, if the room where they lived was uh, where they were cohabitating, they both had control over a specific room and the family really didn't have control over that room. I don't know if it would fall into the gray area if the family could actually give consent. She's not here. He's not here to, to do a search in that room. I would play it safe and try to get a warrant before I would go into that room. I mean, if the, the house is owned by the family, but who had control of the room, I think would be very, very, uh, you know, a defense attorney might, if some evidence was found in there, a, a defense attorney might want to try and uh, exploit that, that, uh, you know, the, the control of the room was Gabby and Brian Neither one of them gave consent. So play it safe, get a search warrant. That's the way I would handle it in that situation. Do you agree, Bill? 100%. I mean, in New York City, we would even obtain search warrants to, to uh, process crime scenes. Sure. And when you, when you tell people that, they're like, oh, why do you need that? Well, because... Later on, some lawyer could say they didn't have permission to search this area. It wasn't common area. It was area only used by my client. They should have obtained a search warrant. And if if the if that's the case, then evidentiary material can be suppressed. And that's sure. why we would always err on the side of caution to, to get a search warrant. You know, I know a lot of people are concentrating on this um, body found in the park, but until we know at least the sex of it, we can't even, uh, you know, just sort of assume that, that it could be Gabby, you know, if they're not releasing the that kind of information. And as I said, uh, they're not, they wouldn't know the identity of the body for at least uh, a day or two, maybe longer than that, uh, because they have to test the DNA or dental charts or that type of thing. Yeah, agreed, Bill. I think that that's um, that's definitely uh, it. Might be challenging at first. I mean, listen, if the clothing fits, it's a female. Uh, if there's 
you know, blonde hair and it fits into, you know, some type of a category, an age category, then I think uh, they may assume, I mean, a positive ID is going to take a day to 100%, 100%. But going back to what you were saying about crime scene, I just wanted to expand a little more on that. You know, when we, when we arrive at a crime scene, if there's evidence that we feel that it could be compromised if we don't recover it quickly, then that's called an extenuating circumstance where you may or may not need the warrant. And, you know, if you can go get, if, if evidence is in an area where you might be trespassing or you don't have consent to get into that area, you kind of freeze it off and then you would get the warrant and uh, execute the warrant to recover the evidence. Again, if it's in a situation, uh, I don't know, maybe it's it's blood evidence and it's raining or something, you got to recover it quickly. Uh, I think a judge would err on your side uh, rule on your side in uh, collecting that evidence that it wouldn't be thrown out in uh, in a criminal case because of something like that. But short of that, we always tried to play it safe. And if we had a freezing area and say, hold on, let's not move any further, get a hold of the district attorney's office, let's get a warrant for this evidence that we think is there, uh, we would do that. And it, it would only take an hour or two or whatever it is. And uh, play it safe because you have to think ahead in these investigations. You know, you don't want to screw something up now that's going to cost you a conviction later on. So that's the way we uh, we try to uh, walk through these type of investigations. You know, you, you, once you get into the evidence uh, area of an investigation, uh, civil rights with regard to questioning, you really have to be careful that you don't make a mistake that could cost you dearly later on. 100%. I'm just going to put a video up on the screen on some of the searches they're doing in the parks around here and the scope of it, the amount of Brian people Laundry involved. Two search teams descending on an enormous nature preserve today in search of him. That nature preserve located more than a thousand miles from Blue Point, Long Island in Florida. And at the same time, the FBI has confirmed that it resumed searching at Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. That's where witnesses say they last spotted the two of them together before Gabby vanished. But Gabby's family says Laundry is not missing. They say he's hiding. News 4's Anjali Hemphill following all the developments in the newsroom, and there are a lot of them. Anjali? Yeah, Gilma. Brian Laundry's family told investigators last night that they last saw him on Tuesday when he told them he was going for a hike in an area he has been before, a 25,000-acre reserve about 13 miles away from Northport. Our goal is to, to locate him and uh, bring him back to Northport. Police officers and FBI agents descending on the Carlton Reserve using ATVs, canines, and drones to search an expansive wooded area in Florida after investigators were forced to shift focus from trying to talk to Brian Laundrie to now trying to find him. They believe that he came out here on Tuesday. Uh, he had his backpack. Um, he said that this is where he was coming for the first time since Brian's fiance Gabby Petito went missing, members of the Laundry family spoke with investigators at their Florida home Friday evening. while protesters held a vigil outside to try and pressure Brian to come forward. Uh, their attorney called and said that uh, the family is concerned about Brian's whereabouts. Um, they would like to file a missing persons report. Since Gabby's family reported her missing, Brian has refused to talk to investigators. The two were on a road trip out west when Brian suddenly came home to Florida in the van without her. In a statement late Friday, Petito's family not sympathetic regarding Brian's disappearance 
saying Brian is not missing, he is hiding, Gabby is missing. All this as the search for Gabby continues in the vast rugged terrain of Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming, as concern for both of their safety is growing. We don't have a crime, you know, we're looking for somebody. I mean, that's 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 it. I mean, we can't uh, go just pulling people in. He certainly has the Fifth Amendment not to speak. Any chance that the family thinks he's suicidal? Um, I don't know that I'm comfortable saying that. I think we can. You know, anything's anything's possible. And police say when they spoke to the Laundry family, they did not share any information about Gabby or what Brian may have told them about her whereabouts. Gilma, the story continues to develop. We will, of course, stay on top of every detail as it comes down. You know, Phil, everyone in the chat is commenting on the body found, but we can't really report on that because we don't know uh, who it is or what it is or what sex it is. And I know everyone wants to assume, but you can't assume anything. I have, uh, I'm playing Fox News Live. I, I That was one of the channels that I, I saw our initial uh, report of it on. So I'm trying to see. So far, nothing has uh, come up as of in the last few minutes as you were playing that video. So there's no confirmation one way or the other. But yeah, I mean, we can't really say for sure with certainty, and we're not going to say it, whether or not it is a male, female, or otherwise, or if it's her. Um, her body was recovered in the search area. I think that's... Uh, pretty interesting and it's a fact that we need to report obviously but uh let's see where it goes um you know uh it could be uh somebody else uh but they still found the body all dead bodies are important yeah obviously you know it, a, a body was uh, found uh someone was found dead out there so it's uh concerning one way or the other whether it's gabby or not obviously but uh yeah let's see what what, what goes on with that again i'm i'm trying to watch it and uh uh, no, it's still they're still not saying anything about uh, the latest developments on that body. Uh, well, they, they won't they won't say anything for a while. Holly W, thank you for the super sticker. All you folks, night for the ninety nine cent super sticker. All you folks that are police off the cuff members of of, of our are you police off the cuff uh, family. We appreciate all you guys. I see you in the factual breakdown. You're always here. Uh, the parents gave him a three-day head start, and the story about that car at the park is a red herring. There's a lot of things that, in this case that no one likes, but, you know, we have to – this is our system. Would the police, of course, like to talk to Brian 100%? But, uh, again, that would be uh, counterproductive because he has an attorney, and everything they would find out would uh, be thrown out if there ever was a court case or ever was an arrest. Uh yeah, it's on. Yeah, it's on the news that they found the body, but we can't. We don't know the details of that, so to report on it is just not going to help anyone uh, that's watching this podcast right now. You know, Bill, there's a a, a person in the chat, uh, squared three five three. It says, "Where's Brian's passport and phone?" At this point in the uh, missing persons investigation, I don't think there's any grounds to uh, take his passport. Or even his phone at that uh, at that point. I, some someone in the chat said he didn't have a phone or whatever. But whether or not he does or he doesn't, there's really not enough grounds to take his passport away to say you know you can't leave. Um, uh, I think that uh, 
you know, we would like to have things like that. Well, one of the reporters said she'd like to put her hands around his throat uh, the other day and shake him till he tells what he knows about her. But unfortunately, uh, that's not legal and that's not going to happen. So, uh, you know, uh, him uh, invoking counsel and saying he doesn't want to speak to the police is well within his rights. It's ethically horrible. But uh, again, the passport thing, uh, there's really no grounds to take his passport or his cell phone. Well, someone asked if that, in fact, is her body. Can he then be questioned? And the answer still is no. He's got an attorney. Right. They have to. They have to get evidence that connects her body to to him. And minus that, that they they have to build the case. They still cannot talk to him because he invoked his right to counsel. I mean, if, if her, her body is found and there's a knife sticking out of it and it's got his fingerprints on it. They'll probably 100% arrest him. Still doesn't mean that he has to make a statement. He can still say, no, I don't want to speak to the police uh, on the advice of my attorney. And uh, they'll just have to do what they have to do without his statements. And, uh, you know, let's hope that that doesn't happen again. Prayers that she's found alive. Uh, The fact that a body is found in the search area is not very uh, encouraging at this point that she will be found alive. I mean, uh, they're not saying whether it's male, female, or otherwise. So, uh, but uh, I'm certainly concerned and plugged into the fact that they went to do this search today in the area most likely that she would be in based on the the new information that we got today about this other camper that videotaped the vehicle on the 27th in the area. So now that uh, we talked about bringing in Dave Rader piece, uh, previously, you know, from Equisearch, the, uh, the volunteer search team who they are just tremendously professional, great. But the area was too vast for them to uh, to get a search going. And now I think there was a uh, a more targeted area. They went into that area, and the police have recovered a body. I don't know anything more than that. We're, we're trying to stay plugged in on the internet just to get more information. And uh, you know, obviously, uh, they're going to look to see who it is. And uh, if if we were on the ground, we might have a better idea, obviously, but we, we're not. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see what uh, information hits the media. Um, Chinook Adventures. This is ludicrous how the law has handled this case. Get a warrant for his arrest to question him in the disappearance of Gabby. There's plenty of probable cause. I just, I don't know how many times I have to repeat to you that once someone invokes counsel, even a warrant, you cannot speak to them. That's, it's the end of it. You cannot speak to them. And as far as getting a warrant, you cannot get a warrant unless you have probable cause. I disagree with you. There is no probable cause right now. There's assuming and there's strong, there's circumstantial evidence. I would say circumstantially, if something happened bad to her, I would say, yeah, Brian did it. But there's no evidence of it. We can't arrest someone based on just that it's, you know, we think he did it. We did, that's not the way our court system works. But you know, Chinook, Chinook Adventures. I just want to say one more thing about your your comment. Um, you know, in in uh, in criminal law, uh, there's there's certain parameters that we have to stay within, and Bill just explained one of them. Now, down the line, and I'm I'm glad you brought this up, and I, I appreciate your enthusiasm to maybe. Uh, you know, get information out of him, but Bill's 100% correct. Even with an arrest warrant, he doesn't have to speak. But down the line, if there was 
the horrible outcome that if she was found dead or something to that effect and they couldn't connect him to the crime, could there be a civil case where uh, on a civil matter, there's a thing called a preponderance of the evidence where you only need uh, 51% of the evidence to be in favor of what you're suing for. There could be, uh, that's what they did with OJ. They 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 found him guilty on in a civil trial, but in a criminal case, to even get him to speak, you cannot compel a person to cooperate with the law because of self-incrimination. And I think that that really explains it best. Uh, SSS asked the, asked the question, uh, have you ever, have you guys ever thought about going out to one of these places to cover these cases? Yes, we have. But right now we're, you know, we we're sort of semi new in this, in the YouTube world of doing a podcast and we're trying to grow to a, a point. We don't really have the funds to do that right now to travel and with a camera crew and all of that stuff. But, in the future, if we uh, if our podcast grows to a certain extent, I would love to do that because I think uh, it'd be quite interesting. I think that we know the right questions to ask. I somewhat, when I saw the one news reporter asking some ludicrous questions of, of Gabby's uh, stepfather, I sort of cringed like, you know, what do you think happened? Like, I mean, come on. She's trying to get him to say something that's going to provide her with ratings, you know? What do you yeah. think happened to Gabby? You know, like, where did she go to the, uh, you know, I don't know what journalism school she went to that taught her those questions. But, uh, you, you know, Bill, uh, responding to a scene or a location where something like this has taken place, I obviously showed interest at it as well. I would, you know, hopefully one day we we may do stuff like that. But, um, again, I would never get in the middle of an investigation and interfere or uh, compromise in any way, shape, or form by talking to primary uh, suspects. Again, with this case, pressure could have been put on with the family regarding a protest outside their house. I think that that was one of the things that I even suggested early on. The media did a tremendous job. But, you know, uh, I would never want to have... Uh, an investigation. If I were to lead investigate, I wouldn't want somebody nosing around where they didn't belong. Media sometimes does cross those ethical lines, but uh, we put them right back into check. And again, yeah, I would love to go. Uh, you know, if I was uh, in the area, I would definitely go down there and maybe do some some type of uh, reporting from the area or whatever. But uh, again, I always try to maintain uh, respect for an investigation. And uh, I would never want to compromise the integrity or, of an investigation, especially something like this, a missing, beautiful young lady. So, uh, that could turn criminal like that. So, uh, yeah. Folks, uh, just, if you could, uh, put a little prayer emojis in the chat in hopes that we do, uh, find Gabby alive. Uh, and I know that the information of finding a body in, in the Grand Teton Park today isn't hopeful, but we'll be hopeful that it's not Gabby, you know. And um, look, all we, we're going to keep reporting on this case. Um, it's an interesting case from several, several levels. Yeah, and, and, and as we're, you know, we're reporting this or what we know or giving our law enforcement perspective on this case, when information comes up during the show, we cannot vet the information. So I can't report on it, even if someone says, you know, it's smoking gun information because people in the chat can say that and be reporting totally false information. So until I can vet the information, I'm not going to report it as the truth. Thank you guys for all your prayer emojis. We'll all pray that Gabby is found alive. Um, Bill, I'm just getting something over the Fox News channel. They're reporting that Teton County locates a body 
Still don't know the identity. They are on top of it. They're, uh, you know, I guess they're going to wait for some confirmation. What, uh, what, with, what were the remains that were found, whether it was male, female, or if it falls into the category that it, it could be uh, to exclude or include uh, Gabby as the person that was found. So that's the latest there. Um, yeah, uh, I want to make a comment about um, one other person in the chat said, uh, Mike D, he said, these guys are great. They explain everything in detail. I think that's our mission statement that we're going to give you a perspective from the police standpoint on investigations, homicide, missing person, whatever the case may be. Um, and we give you, uh, we try to explain it to laymen. That's why we got into the specific details about the search warrant. Bill uh, brought that up and he really explained it uh, real good. And, and I just tried to uh, top it off with a couple of the little uh, points for people to understand how the law works and how investigation works. And we're never going to expose everything that we would do in investigation to try and solve a case. We're never going to cross any ethical lines on our behalf from law enforcement. But uh, yeah, I like that comment. Mike D, thank you very much. That was a great comment. We do try to explain everything as best we can so that the viewers can understand it. Folks, just again, I, uh, if you like this podcast, please go onto our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. Uh, we also have a, a Patreon. There's the address of our Patreon. If you'd like to join our Patreon, uh, we're, this is our Instagram address. Uh, I'm I'm Sergeant retired Sergeant Bill Cannon. They called us the Sergeant Bill and the Detective Phil show. You know, uh, we also have now some uh, merchandise, uh, and that's the address. If you'd like to order police off the cuff mugs, um, shirts, we should shortly be getting hats too. But the most important thing for us is if you can subscribe to our channel uh, to keep to keep this going because, believe it or not, we put a lot of work into this, a lot of hours, and uh, we could use uh, your assistance in keeping this going. And uh, we're growing our audience every week, and I think we're going to bring some really eclectic-type shows to you. Uh, coming up on Tuesday is Mordecai Dejensky, who is a retired NYPD first grade detective who is a, a counterterrorism expert who is now over in Israel working with the Israeli police in regards to counterterrorism. He's on Tuesday night. That should be a really interesting show. We have I'm Jimmy really Kal looking forward to that one, Bill, because uh, post 9-11 – uh, I was assigned to the intelligence division on 9-11, and from my time from 9-11 till I retired in uh, 2003, about two years later, um, I did all counterterrorism leads. I was in the uh, intelligence division, and we would do work on leads. So I'm very curious to hear what he, his uh, his perspective on uh, current uh, you know goings on with terrorism and stuff like that, especially what's been going on in Afghanistan recently. So I'm sure that's going to be a great show, Bill. And, uh, really you know, and the thing is, he's he's so focused because nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time is like four four a.m. in Israel. So he's still excited to do the show, and on. Um, we have Jimmy Calandra coming on, uh, on on the 26th, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bill, you want to tell the audience who he is? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm excited for that show as well. That's going to be a week from today at 6 p.m., uh, Sunday the 26th at 6 p.m. Jimmy Calandra is a uh, former member. Uh, he wasn't a made member of organized crime, but he was right up there with some heavyweights in the organized crime world in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, he was part of the Bath Avenue crew. There's books out about him. 
or, or mention him, a book called Mob Over Miami, which we talked about recently. And uh, he wound up uh, getting t uh, caught up in the life and uh, was sentenced to some jail time. And he eventually became a cooperator. Uh, I actually uh, reached out to him over the last day or two because he mentioned our podcast on his podcast. He has his own podcast. And I thanked him for promoting the Sammy to Bo Gravano show. And he came right back to me and said, listen, you know, we're, uh, we're all on the same, uh, you know, wavelength to try and help one another and uh, looking forward to his perspective. I mean, we're going to get an inside look to a young guy that was introduced to organized crime at a young age uh, and uh, the life, uh, how it turned out for him. He's going to give us some tremendous insight. And again, when we have a person on that uh, is involved in uh, criminal activity like that, we're not condoning it. We're just, uh, we're here to have a conversation and talk about things. And that should be a great show, Bill. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one as well. As, as I am. Folks, also, we'll go wait, one other thing. We're going to have Tommy Dades, a retired first grade detective, organized crime expert, who's a former member of the NYPD intelligence division as well. He's going to be on the show with us that night too, along with Jimmy. So we're going to have a great uh, four-way conversation. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty uh, captivating, I'm sure. For all the folks in the chat, our channel members, our Patreon members, or just fans or subscribers, thank you so much for listening. We're going to stay with this case, and hopefully that the breaking news is not that they found uh, the, uh, the body is doesn't belong to Gabby. We're praying for that. Uh, so, folks, as I said, thank you so much for listening. On behalf of Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, I'm Bill Cannon, and that's Phil Grimaldi. Thank you so much for watching. Stay safe, everybody. And if there's anything to report, call it in. That's what led to this van that they uh, found in the search area. Thank you very much and stay safe.